But here's where it gets kind of esoteric. The debt of a country who has the dominant world currency has to get absolutely astronomically larger than ours is before it is in any way dangerous. Yeah. If we had our, if, if we were running, if we were Colombia and we were dependent upon the dollar, we'd be in a world of hurt. But we're not, and we're not. The dot, we happen to be Rome. We have the money that runs the world, including yeah. China. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and Jeff McClure. McClure. Uh, together, we are The Personal Wealth Coach, uh, at least for this radio program. Uh, but we have some disclosures to give as we... Um, move into a, a self-proclaimed exciting episode. Um, whether or not it is an exciting episode is, is truly up to the ear of the listener. Um, beauty is in the ear of the listener. And we don't fall under that category, nor would we attempt to claim to be beautiful. However, we have disclosures. Those were the first ones. We're not beautiful. And that you get to choose what beauty is. Next disclosure is we are both bald and bearded. Um, next disclosure is the personal wealth coach is also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. Not coincidentally, the two people talking on the radio are the principals of that firm. We can't, having said that, offer investment advice on the air because it's supposed to be fiduciary in the best interest of the person getting the advice. There's usually some kind of an agreement involved. And it's supposed to be private. None of that stuff's available for general broadcast purposes. So this is education, or at least uh, re-education. We, we have a camp for that. If, if uh, Summer camp for re-education. If you would like to join, please sign up through the local Gestapo. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, economics is one of those that you may feel like you're in a re-education camp. Um, just a minute. My, my microphone level is a little bit off. It's up too high there. That's better. It's a bit better anyway. Okay. Um, the next disclosure is I just told you that the firm is an SEC registered investment advisory firm and boy, doesn't it sound amazing to drop names of government organizations that wasn't meant to be a name drop. It was not meant for you to believe that we have somehow been, approved or given golden status by the SEC. They don't do that. They don't know how to do that. They wouldn't know how to do that if they had instructions to do that. They don't approve of things. They are very good at disapproving and they haven't disapproved of us yet. So that that's, I guess, but. Well, in a sense, they kind of passively disapprove of everything. Yeah, that makes sense. There's a passive disapproval. They're just waiting for the mistakes. It's, it's basically, we disapprove until further notice, yes. until there's, when in doubt, disapprove. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense to me, too. That's that's basically our relationship with the SEC. We're registered with them. They don't approve of us. But so far, they haven't told us we're being bad, either. So, there. Um, well, next, it's, it's the Lincoln County Wars. Um, where Billy the Kid was a deputy right, and not a deputy at the same time. 
Right. It's the regulators. And the moderators. The moderators. Right. And we're moderators on this radio program, and they're regulators, so it's the Lincoln County Ward. Well, hopefully we're not going to have, like, shooting battles. They're going to get upset if you start no, no, making no, no, no. references like that. Well, no, it's lawyers who do it now. It's, uh, you know, attorneys. They they fight each other in court rather than shooting each other, so they shoot each other with their, still, with their computers. Still don't want them to fight us in court. It, okay. All no, right, so. no, we don't. All right, so uh, we're we're also get our well. I'll get you. I'll let you do the deeming of information. How's that? Well, on this educational radio program, you know, so I went to my radio voice there. I couldn't tell the difference because you're still on the radio. On this on this educational radio program, we obtain our we obtain our information. (laughs) We obtain our information sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. See, that's lawyer talk again. Very nice, and we do guarantee the inaccuracy and incompleteness of unsaid information. By the way, can I say something about the SEC? I'll say something about the SEC. Uh, I'm a little scared, but go ahead. I am really glad we have the SEC. Uh, We enjoy, as everybody else does, griping about regulators and and so on. But the fact that we have a dependable, relatively stable method of exchanging securities and buying and selling securities, and people don't even think about the fact that when they buy a mutual fund or they buy a stock or something, it's there. They don't ever see it. It's, you know, it's, they see, they see a statement or they see something on their computer. And we in the United States have this wonderful blessing of if you buy, and I'm not recommending buy, if you buy a hundred shares in a corporation in the United States, or you buy a hundred shares or a thousand shares or a thousand dollars worth of a mutual fund, you don't have anything appear in your hand that you can touch. They're intangible. But we just assume in the United States, it's really there. And every once in a while, somebody will come along and slip between the cracks like Madoff and sell you stuff that's not there. And the SEC pretty much inevitably figures that out and takes them apart and they wind up going to prison, which is a good thing. Yeah, we we complain about the fact that it takes a long time to do it. But in other nations, it's pretty common for it just to happen all the time and nobody gets caught because nobody's looking or the ones that are looking are on the payroll. So we're pretty happy with with the system that we have. But don't let that confuse you with not going to complain about the system because we've got lots to complain about. (laughs) uh, uh, We do not pay for this radio program. We buy advertisement on the station for the radio program, as does the studio. So there is no quid pro quo. This is not paid commercial programming we've been doing this program he's been older baldy's been doing it since 1996 after two years i joined him in 98 which means that i've been doing this for 24 years and you've been doing this for 26 years so combined we've been doing it for 50 years no the dates don't line up for that you can't combine experience when it's the same experience well i mean the federal reserve this is a good subject um because we've got a question out there from our most loyal questioner. Um, yeah, and I got some comments about that too, about uh, that question. Yeah. Go um, ahead. You, you tackle it head on. Right. Uh, the question is, uh, he's as is tradition, Inquisitor John has taken a digital picture of the paper Wall Street Journal uh, and emailed it to us that we may see where he has circled and so on. 
this is a tradition that I hope never dies. Um, the article in question is the silent price you'll pay for our mounting national debt. It is an opinion piece. John says, forget politics since both parties are to blame. What significant events will have to happen before the U.S. faces its debt and comes up with a real plan to reduce it? Man, uh, when we read this prior to the program, the two of us started laughing because you can't, well, well first, how, how do you remove politics from it? I mean, even if both parties are to blame, they're still the ones that have to make the decision to make it go away. At some point, it has to appear on the front page of the Wall Street Journal instead of, I'm not sure how far back in the Wall Street Journal this is, but it's definitely not in the first couple of pages. Uh, we've got to get to a point where people are aware that for this year's budget, for fiscal year 2023, yeah, yeah that's, that's correct, we are in 2023, for those of you that did not recognize that, the federal government's fiscal year has already begun in October, and we are now in next year, according to them. Um, so you can actually you can actually see the future. <laughs> we're in it. Yes, we're, we're in the future at the moment. <laughs> but you um, can't see the past, right? Yeah. So the fiscal year's begun, and when we look at the budget for the fiscal year. There's no way of absolutely identifying this, but it's very clear that somewhere between $900 billion and a trillion dollars will be spent on the interest of the debt. So I looked at the article you sent, John, and the numbers are close to accurate, close enough for opinion to suddenly be like, whoa, this guy actually did his research. This is unusual for opinion pieces. In the article, it says the cost of borrowing is near untenable levels. If we aren't already in a doom loop, we're getting close. You've got that part circled as well, John. Um, there's it, old Baldy here, Jeff, who also happens to be my father. For those of you who don't know that, Jake is the son of Jeff. Shh, um, don't tell Yes. Uh, the, uh, the easiest way to deal with this debt is to tell the Federal Reserve to stop fighting inflation. And then the debt will uh, inflate itself uh, away because it'll be a small percentage of the GDP. Uh, during this year, our borrowing went up a lot less than inflation did, which means for this year, technically our borrowing is way, way down on a technical sense. And when we're looking at the numbers, we're borrowing is up. It's just not up anywhere near as high as inflation. So this is one of those weird areas where money's imaginary to begin with. I know people find that difficult. It's about our confidence. It's what we all agree on. It's a shared imagination. We say this is worth something because we believe it's worth something. And it's the best way of running a monetary system. Because it's what all values are. What's the value of a chicken versus a cow? Well, you have an opinion and somebody else does. It's really hard to come to a consensus. With money, that consensus is a lot easier to come to because we measure against the same object. It's not carrying 12 chickens on a trip to go buy a leg of lamb, uh, if you follow the comparison. Bartering, there's too many variables, too many things fluctuate around, but it's still based on belief. Um, you believe that your piece of dirt is a certain value and another person believes it's not a certain value. Where the consensus lies is, is what we consider the true value today. That's everything. 
And money is just a representation of that. So it's almost like a derivative of the things that we're valuing. Um, so when we look at the national debt, if I were looking at the debt in a personal setting, if somebody came into me and they said one-sixth, more than one-sixth of my income is going to debt, and I measured it out and say, okay, what, what kind of debt is this? This is mortgage, this is car, this is credit cards. It's all these debts combined, and it's one-sixth. The payment on that debt is one-sixth of your income. I would say that's a pretty, pretty healthy mix. You're, you're doing fairly well. Now, are you borrowing money to pay it? Oh, well, that's probably not a good thing. <laughs> and, and that's the deal is that we're borrowing money to pay the debt. Um, we, we don't have a balanced budget. So the question here is that what, what has to happen before we come up with a real plan to reduce the debt? And the answer is a lot of pain. We have to recognize at some point a pain or this is all pleasure. Uh, do you want to give up Social Security? No. Do you want to give up Medicare? No. Uh, do we want to give up the national defense? No. Foreign aid? Well, yeah, but that's a tiny drop in the budget. Tiny. When you look at it as a percentage, it's down at the 1% area. So fixing that, it, it'd be nice to fix if we think that foreign aid's being misspent or whatever. But the reality is that the budget is based on a bunch of stuff that we all want, but our taxes aren't high enough to pay for it. So if at some point the debt interest gets high enough that we can't have Social Security and we can't have Medicare and we can't have good roads and we can't have a military that's the best in the world, then we're going to say, whoa, we got to get out of this. But it's going to be more pain getting out of the debt. It would be nice if we could all look ahead and say, let's pay this down right now and not borrow so much. In, in three months in 2020, we, we borrowed $3 trillion for pandemic relief. So was that a good use of the money? Yes, absolutely. We could have had a depression, but at the same time, we've got to pay it back. Um, so you, you're pregnant with, with thought here. So please give birth. Well, there's a couple of things, and, and you mentioned it in one of them in passing. Inflation, 8 9% last 12 months. Uh -huh. That means the national debt shrunk by 8 to 9% of the last 12 months because it's fixed dollars. Right, but you, the payment buy, on the debt you, is going to go up well, with interest rates. Right, uh, I, I don't question about that. Well, not long-term debt. I mean, if you got a thirty, if you're holding a thirty-year U.S. Treasury and for four percent, which is generally what they are, three to four percent, the payments don't go up a bit. Right, it's just and, that you're what you, what you get back at the tail end is shrinking with inflation at a, the last twelve months shrunk between eight and nine percent what you're going to get back at the tail end but you're yeah. let me the, let the me throw in didn't have to increase its payments yeah let me throw in the other piece here if you go to uh, fiscaldata.treasury.gov and you can be a nerd like me um the september report end of september september 30th report from the treasury on the average debt for all interest bearing instruments owed by the united states government is 2.07%. It's going to take a while for that to rise with the more recent interest rates because so much of our debt is locked in at longer rates, rates that were much, much lower in the past. So it's going to take us a while to feel the pain. Now, you're going to throw something. There's another. There's another. It doesn't, this article does not include that element. No. 
It also doesn't include another huge, monstrous element. The largest holder of U.S. debt in the world is the Federal Reserve. Yes. And I know this is going to sound a little strange, but if the Federal Reserve could simply say, nope, you don't have to pay that back. Yep. They could forgive the debt. And on, on top of that, when we look at the average interest-bearing debt, it includes interest paid to the Federal Reserve on that debt. Right. But the Federal right. Reserve and then turns around and pays the U.S. government the interest back. So, so it's a 0% says, interest. It's not included in these numbers. So go ahead. When, when Mr. Red Yankee, who wrote the article, says the cost of borrowing is near untenable levels, if we aren't already in a doom loop, we're getting close. No, we are not even in the same state. Yeah. I mean, we're, our, our country is a doom loop. Yeah. Uh, Japan has double our debt as a proportion of its income and is not in a doom loop yet. So, so yeah, the, the, the issue here is far more complex than Mr. Yankee suggests. And by the way, when you see an opinion piece like this, particularly an opinion piece in Wall Street Journal and anywhere else, first thing I recommend you do is look up the author and figure out what he does for a living. And in many cases, there's a conflict of interest there. This is a real estate. This is a guy who, who, who sets up real estate investments and a firm that sets up real estate investments. Um, and he has a worldview and he has a way of looking at things. And it's on the opinion piece page and it's not on the main page. Is there, what Jake said, I agree completely. You want to know what we can do about this? Very simple. Raise our taxes. I don't want to raise taxes. I don't want to lose benefits, but that's, a, those are the choices going forward. Right. As a, as a, we're the, in the developed world, well, actually anywhere in the world, as far as I know, we have the lowest overall tax rate paid by individuals and corporations anywhere. Well, when you, when you blend them together, there are some places where corporate taxes are effectively zero, but the individual taxes are very high. Uh, but, but when you when you look at the taxes we pay in the United States on on economic activity, we are the lowest in the developed world, and we like it that way. And the countries who don't run big deficits are the ones who have much higher tax rates, and they pay as they go for what you get. If you wanted to see this problem eliminated, it's no problem. You either have to dramatically, and I say dramatically, cut what the government does for anybody, or dramatically increase taxes if you want to see the budget balance, which would put us into, by the way, a re severe recession or probably a depression, which would cause tax revenues to fall like a rock. It's not a simple issue. And as far as panicking over it and thinking we're about to go broke, again, remember the largest holder of the federal debt is the Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve literally at any point they not likely to do this in the immediate future, but it literally at any point can say, we'll just buy up all the treasuries. We'll just buy up a lot of treasuries. Their job is to keep the dollar stable, try to keep the economy stable, try to maintain full employment, which, by the way, is one of the reasons they're raising interest rates. Full employment is generally considered, according to the speeches by members of the Federal Reserve Board, 4%. We're at 35 3.5% unemployment is more than full employment. Their job is not to unemployment rates lower, but get it to full employment, which is 4%, which means they are going to work to get unemployment back to 4%. That's their job. That's their mandate from Congress. If you think we should have a lower deficit and not run up a big debt, 
write your congressman and say, increase my taxes. Yeah. And this is. I don't think anybody's going to do that. Yeah. This is the tough thing. That's what I mean about feeling pain. We have to feel enough pain by losing benefits to feel another pain to raise taxes to pay it. And that's, that is, we've got a long ways to go on that. Hopefully, our answer was clear enough. When it comes to raising taxes or cutting entitlements, it's hard. I, I mean, what is it going to take to get us to do that? I don't know. It takes a lot of pain. We, we're going to have to get to a point where we recognize a, a problem. And I think that's not a majority opinion by any stretch. It's not even a majority of the minority opinion. It's a very small opinion at this point. And we both agree that at some point, borrowing has to be paid back. And if you're borrowing to pay back debt, that's a problem. But there's a level at which it has to be paid back. And that level is a higher level of debt than at a personal debt level. Could I interject interject something here? Sure. Something that's really important to understand. A large very large pool of United States treasury debt is a necessity for a stable economy in the world. It is. And this is really important. Go ahead. There, there is right now serious economists, the people who actually understand this stuff more than other people, nobody understands it perfectly are commenting that the pool of U S treasuries is too small to get that. It's too small. Why? Well, let's, let's say, what is it used for on the world stage? It's what backs up banks. It is what backs up the pension funds. It's the bottom line. Matter of fact, if you put money in a stable money market fund today and and you get the interest rates, a couple of percent that they're paying, you probably are putting in a U.S. government money market fund. Yeah. From a, a foreign debt perspective, when we owe debt to China or to Japan or to, and Japan has more debt of the United States than China does now. China is very quickly winnowing down the debt that we owe it. They don't like being in that position with us anymore for some reason. Um, This was a great fear for a long time. What would happen if China just dumped all its debt? Well, it would crater their own economy. So they're doing it in a slow fashion. They're moving back from holding our debt. But if you're having trouble finding somebody else's debt to own. Right. And that's the deal is that the United States debt is the highest quality in the world. So it doesn't just back up our pension funds and our 401ks and our banks. It also backs up the Central Bank of Japan and of the United Kingdom and of Ireland. And you just go down the list of countries that own our debt and you go, oh, well, they're using that as a st- stabilizer for their own economy. If we got rid of it, a lot of other economies on the planet would crater. So we need some level of it. And in effect, all of our money is debt. It's an IOU. That's what money is from the Federal Reserve. If you look at a dollar bill, it says Federal Reserve note. That is a, that's an obligation. Well, if you say, all right, I want to get paid back for this note that I hold. I'm going to go take this dollar to the Federal Reserve and I'm going to say, pay me what I'm due on this note, and they will give you a different dollar because that's how they pay the debt on the debt, which is just more yeah, and, of and the same. The fact, and, and as Jake <laughs> said, the fact is our money is federal debt. Mm-hmm. We use federal debt. Matter of fact, if you don't think so, whip out a dollar bill and see what it says at the top. That's what that's I just a, said. It's a note. It's I a mean, Federal it's, Reserve it's, note, yeah. 
and 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 the point that he's making and I want to make is we are yes I don't like the idea that our debt is the size it is it makes me uncomfortable but here's where it gets kind of esoteric the debt of a country who has the dominant world currency has to get absolutely astronomically larger than ours is before it is in any way dangerous yeah if we had our if if we were running if we were Colombia and we were dependent upon the dollar, we'd be in a world of hurt. But we're not, and we're not. The do- We happen to be Rome. We have the money that runs the world, including yeah. China. Now, I'm going to give some representations of the size of our economy, and I'm going to do this in a way that's relatively easy to follow. Um, it's not a good picture of the whole thing or any of that, but it's a good example. If you can call an asteroid the size of Delaware, I can do this, what I'm about to do. So it will give you Wait some you linkage, oh, okay. some <laughs> anchor point for you to say, what, how, what is the size? In 2021, before the invasion of Ukraine, before the excruciating sanctions were put on Russia, the GDP of Russia was $1.78 trillion. Sounds pretty big. Would you agree that's a big number? $1.78 trillion. The GDP of the state of Texas was $1.83 trillion. Texas has a larger economy than Russia. The population of Russia is 146 million people. The population of Texas is 29 million people. 29 million people have a larger GDP than 146 million people, and this is one of the seven largest countries as far as economics on the planet. And you could name a series of other states that all fall in the category of having a larger GDP than Russia. Um, When you start comparing it to Germany and France, you start getting a stretch that California is roughly related to Germany. Germany's been doing well lately. California has been doing well lately. It tells you the scope that we're talking about. When Russia invading Ukraine has such a major impact on the world economy and their size of the world economy is the same as one of our 50 states. This, this kind of gives you, when we're talking about debt of the United States, the big numbers are scary sounding. But the reality is that we are a massive, massive force in the economics of the world. Our debt is not good, don't get me wrong. Quite often, debt is me- measured against um, uh, the budget. Uh, so if we say the budget of the U.S. government is like $6 trillion and we owe like 30 oh, that's not good, that's a lot of years. But if you look at the entirety of the size of our economy, not even just the GDP, what do we own? We're talking about hundreds of trillions of dollars. And when we have a budget of $6 trillion at the federal level and we have assets worth hundreds of trillions of dollars, it starts to put the perspective of how big the debt is. If, if a client came to me with a net worth of $20 million, and they said, I ha- I'm concerned about the debt that I have. I have a million dollars in debt, and I don't like it. The interest rates are changing. I don't like it. I would not be sounding a, the, the, the massive emergency alarm or waving big flags around. I would say your assets are plenty valuable for this level of debt. 
And then if they came back and said, well, I'm borrowing a bunch of money and I'm borrowing more than I'm making every year. My answer to that would be, okay, look at your assets and see if there's another way that you can get some revenue for them from them so that you don't have to borrow to keep up with your own expenses. And that is in the context of the U.S. government saying, look at your assets and find more revenue. That's taxes. If I were giving that advice to the U.S. government, I'd just advise them to raise their taxes. And I don't want to raise my taxes. But that's the reality. We have to make a choice, either raise taxes or cut entitlements, or just accept that we're going to have growing debt forever. One of the things in the steady state arguments, like the one in this article had, that they miss, is taxes under the Tax Relief Act passed under the, passed at the direction of and under the Trump administration, I might add. Taxes go up very nicely in 2025. 2026, yeah. After 2026, 2026, into 2025. Yeah. In 2026, taxes will go up very, very nicely, and then the government will have more yeah. money. And that's the, the deal, is that 2026, the revenue to the government is going to go up because the personal income tax rate is going to go up. And personal income taxes are much larger revenue as a revenue stream than corporate taxes. Mm-hmm. So when so, they go up, and that will be higher than the status quo was before the tax cut because we're calculating inflation differently now. Right. So we're going to have a tax increase above even what it was before we had the tax drop. Yeah, the and, Tax Reduction Act raises taxes. Yeah. It permanently <laughs> lowered the taxes for corporations, but overall is going to raise revenue to the United States government. And right. that's because taxes will go up for the rest of us. And that's just hold that in mind. It's, it's out there, and in projections for the government, you have to inclu- include the fact that it's already on the books. They don't have to pass a law. We're going to raise taxes in 2026. So if you want to do something about the deficit, if you want to do something about the looming national debt, very simply, when, the, when 2026 approaches, Congress will suddenly discover that they passed a law that causes taxes to go up in 2026. Yeah. And it's, you write your congressman and say, leave it alone. It's kind of weird because we're in a, in a weird pattern here. Raising or lowering taxes is not on any party platform right now. The Democrats are not saying, let's raise taxes. The Republicans are not saying, let's raise taxes. The Democrats are not saying, let's lower taxes. The Republicans are not saying, let's lower taxes. So that's where we are. Taxes are off the political board right now. We're talking about other stuff. We're talking about immigration. We're talking about marijuana. We're talking about uh, student loan debt. We're talking about medicine. Nothing about debt or taxes. Oh, by the way, another small point in in the article that that John sent, which is a good article. It is a good good article. And and for an an editorial piece, for an opinion piece, I was impressed. He did make a statement that medical inflation, medical the cost of, of medical care always goes up faster than inflation. That is absolutely not true. Uh, the trailing inflation in medical care is 4.8% in an environment where we are running roughly 8 9% yeah. inflation. So year over year. I always get a little bit I always get a little bit nervous when somebody makes a statement of always especially in a time when it isn't true, right at that right. moment that they say it. Yeah. And all he had to do is look around and say, well, no, it's not always true because it's not happening right now. And it hasn't happened for the last year or two. But if we look back over the last 30 years, it's a consistent thing. It's just now suddenly it's not the case anymore. 
there's a lot of things that are consistent over 30 years ago. I'm just simply saying when, when you, somebody's going to publish something in the wall street journal and yeah. make horrible yeah. predictions about the future and they state something in there that is just blatantly untrue. Yeah. yeah. If I were grading that paper, I'd give it an F. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, if you'd like to talk to us off the air, we actually have people that answer the phone during the weekend. We have voicemail during the week. No. No, 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 no. They don't answer the phone during the weekend. We oh, have voicemail. I had that reversed. Weekends. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They wouldn't like that you're, I made them work on the weekends. No. You're listexic, aren't you? Uh, something like that. Uh, okay. I'm not going to approach what you, what you just said, though. Uh, the <laughs> uh, the local number is 254 947 1111 or 1 800 914 7526. That's 80914 plan. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, uh, where you can contact us through the contact form or through email Jeff or Jake at tpwc.com. There's you can sign up for our newsletter there. You can read the newsletter going back a long time. You can listen to our radio programs going back a long time there. You can find our podcasts wherever you normally find podcasts. Just look us up. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next hour with more of The Personal Wealth Coach.